Hello, welcome to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also a speaker, author, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood. And I also lead the Speaking School for Women. And I wanted to make sure that you know, school is back in session starting September 26th. So as a listener to this podcast, I'm assuming you love public speaking. And if you're interested in getting paid to speak, you're in luck because that is what the school focuses on. So if you're interested in learning more about it, you can go to my website, AngelaLucier.us, or you can shoot me an email and we can chat about it. I've been talking with the women who have been on my waiting list all year, and they're excited about registering. They've had lots of questions. I've had some great conversations and really excited to get started because there is so much more to add to this conversation now that I've run it four times and I've got more... Um, just more to add and more to say about how to get paid as a speaker. So if it's been on your mind, check out the website. Registration will be opening on September 5th. All right. So today's episode of Claim the Stage. Claim the Stage is a podcast for women who are interested in discovering, awakening, and creating their voice through the art of public speaking. And on today's episode, I have a special guest, Brianne Dick. Brianne is the founder of MNIB Consulting, and she is all about building million-dollar businesses. Specifically today, we're going to talk about building a million-dollar speaker business. I loved this interview with Brianne. She has so much energy. I felt myself getting so revved up throughout the course of our conversation. And after we finished, I thought I should hire Brianne. She's so great. I just want to like hang out with her and learn from her and talk to her because I just think she has so much to say that really makes you think differently about how to grow your business and how to do more of what you love and less of the stuff you don't. So if that topic is exciting to you, you will love today's episode. Enjoy. Brianne Dick is the founder of MNIB Consulting and creator of the Growth Map Method, a results-focused approach for scaling online training, coaching, and service-based businesses to $1 million and beyond. With more than 10 years of experience in operations, finance, team building, business development, and product development for online learning, Brianne has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs structure their businesses for explosive yet sustainable growth. Brianne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, so we are doing this episode called The Million Dollar Speaker, and I'm sure everyone will be curious about what this is all about. So before we jump into how to become a million dollar speaker, I want to know what you do and how you got into this kind of work. Yeah, it's so fascinating to answer this question and, and to really think about it. Um I mean, the short version of what I do is I run a business, as you just said, you know, M&IB Consulting, and we focus on helping coaches, consultants, authors, speakers, all of these expert people spend more time doing what they love in their online business and get a, instead of getting caught up in all of the minutia or managing people or administration or all the stuff that we didn't really get in business to do in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> how, so how did you get into this, though? Did you have a business and felt frustrated by all of the details? Well, it, you know, when I when I do my own uh, speaking, when I'm you know, whether it's a keynote or something like that, the way that I always start off is by saying it all started back when I was three years old and I got my first bucket of Lego. 
Now, what does Lego have to do with how I got into my business? Well, what I know is that a lot of people, when they build Lego, they like they're either building from their imagination or they're building the sets in the booklet, right? But when I was growing up, what I loved most about building Lego was neither of those things. Instead, what I loved was looking at the back of the box where they would have all of these other ideas for things you could build with the bricks that were in the box, but there was no instructions for it. And I love deconstructing those pictures and trying to figure out how can I do that? How can I make that thing? Mm. And when I, you know, I, I've, I was in higher education was one of my day jobs. I did web design. I did all of these kinds of different things. And when I went to start my business, I, you know, carried on with that. I did web design, I did curriculum design, but I was always trying to pay attention to what is the through line? Like, what's the thing? Cause I never felt like I had found my thing. It's like, what is the thing that I really love? Yeah. And what I realized is that the same thing that I love about business is the same thing I love about Lego. Like it started literally when I was three years old with my first bucket of Lego. And it's how do I deconstruct all of these different elements to put them together in a way that maybe hasn't been done before. So figuring out how does business work? How can we make business work better? And how can I help other people make their business work better for them instead of becoming you know, a burden or something that they feel limited by? Awesome. So you talk a lot about the zone of genius. Would this be an example of living in your zone of genius? Like you're, you're taking that early kind of interest and that yeah, like what's on the back of the box? How can I make that? How can I take it apart? You're taking that and turning it into a, a lifestyle and a career for yourself. Is that what the zone of genius is? And and, and how does that work? Yeah, so <laughs> it's a good question. And it's something that we focus on a lot with our clients. Like when I say, you know, I want to help people spend more time doing what they love in their business. What I'm really talking about is being able to spend more time in your zone of genius. But you have to know what that is before you can spend more time doing it. Yeah. Um, Right. So the zone of genius, I can't take credit for the concept that actually comes from a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. But it's a concept you find in all kinds of different thinkers. So Dan Sullivan talks about unique ability. Nilfer Merchant talks about onlyness. Basically, your zone of genius is where like your greatest passion in life and your innate talents collide into something that's uniquely yours that you can get into flow with you can get into the zone with without much effort and it's the thing that you do basically better than anything else in the world mm -hmm. and what's fascinating is it's often easier to find what your zone of genius is by looking at other areas of your life so for me i didn't really get what i love about business until i was thinking literally i was on a walk one day and i was like what why do i love lego so much and as soon as i saw that then I was like, oh, that's because I can't not do that. I can't not break things down and turn them into frameworks and figure out how to do them better. That's my zone of genius. The moment I recognized that and I started being intentional about saying, how can I spend more of my time doing that? Then things got easier. They became more fun. And not coincidentally, that's when my business started to grow, too. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it's so um it it's sort of an accessible approach. It's not like, well, yeah, I, I did this 47 page assessment that told me <laughs> and it costs, you know, $10,000. It's like, no, I sat and I thought about what I like doing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting because that's the advice I had heard for a long time. And I was always frustrated by it because I was like, I like reading books and building Lego 
and watching Netflix. Like you can't build a business being a Netflix. I mean, maybe, maybe you can be like a reviewer of, you know, books and Netflix shows, but that doesn't seem like it's really going to be a lucrative career, right? Like, I don't think that they're going to be too, too, uh, too many openings out there in the world for next Netflix reviewers. Right. Um, but what I could do was instead of taking the question literally on its face and saying, Oh, what do I like doing? I should just literally do that thing. For me, the question was why? And it's the most powerful question that I think we can ask. Why do I love reading books? Well, because I love going into these stories and, you know, trying to see what's going on. Why is it that I love Lego? Because I love deconstructing things and putting them together. Why do I love Netflix? Because the shows that I love are the ones where, you know, you have to try and figure out what all the moving pieces are. So why do I love these things? That's the question that for me personally really helped me unlock what I consider my zone of genius. Love that. So if we operate under the assumption for the rest of this episode that everyone listening, their zone of genius is public speaking, what could they be doing? What are the first couple steps they could take to become a million dollar speaker? Well, the first thing is really to know that why. So yeah, you love public speaking, but what is it about speaking that you love? Is it that you love being able to take a new idea to someone that hasn't heard it before? Is it that you love to see, you know, uh, translating an idea into different words that someone maybe hasn't ever heard before. And so that idea is going to connect with them and create a light bulb moment. Is it that you love the conversations that happen after you've done your speaking, right? Maybe you just love people coming up to you and saying, oh my gosh, that was so amazing. What is that you love about speaking? That's the first thing that we want to do. The second thing that we want to do is get out of our own head and figure out what is the thing that the person that I'm talking to wants more in their life more than anything else. And it's really important that we remember that it's what do they want more than anything else in their life, not just as it pertains to what I think I want to speak about. Because where we get trapped is like, oh, I want what, for for example, for me, what I want to talk about is building businesses and structuring businesses in such a way that they become sustainable and let you spend more time doing what you love. But that's not what the people listening want more than anything else in the world. What they want more than anything else in the world is to be able to go on a vacation and not have to check their inbox, or they want to be able to spend time with their kids, or they want to lose 10 pounds. Like there's all of these things that are going on in their life. And I have to know what that is so that when I'm speaking to them, this is the third thing, I need to make sure that what I'm doing is bridging that gap. So I'm making what I know to be true and what my zone of genius is and interpreting it in a language that's going to resonate with them and make it relevant to where they are in that moment. Because they may not be looking for what I have to offer. They may be looking for something completely different, but that doesn't mean that I can't connect dots for them that they haven't necessarily seen before. So once once you know what your audience really wants and is looking for, how do you translate that into a business or into, uh, you know, a speaking business? Well, what's so fascinating about building business is that building a business is actually about putting constraints in place. So a lot of people think, oh, when I build a business, I have to go off and do all of these different things. You know, I've got my speaking. I'm going to use that for lead generation. And then I'm going to have products on the back end. Really 
common, really effective way of building a speaking business. But what they think is, oh, so I've got this speaking thing and then I got to go create products and my speaking thing and my products can't be, or my services or whatever it is, they can't be the same, right? They need to be different. But instead, what you need to do is actually bring them together and put constraints in place because what's so important as you're growing your business is you need to become known for one thing, not 100 things. (laughs) So I need to become known as the person that can help you structure your business so that you can grow and scale with sanity. That's what I need to do. So every time I show up, I need to be talking about that, whether that's that I'm on a podcast like this or whether it's that I am, you know, uh, on a sales call with someone or whether it's that I'm actually working with the client on, you know, restructuring their business. It's the same message. I have to be consistent from speaking to uh, you know, marketing and sales to delivering the product. And if I start going off in all kinds of different directions, I'm going to get a diluted message and it's not going to be as effective for my clients at the end because what they thought they were getting and what they end up getting aren't the same thing. So finding that alignment and treating it all as this is part of the same journey that I'm taking people on is really, really critical. If you want to have a back end business, you need to be speaking on the same thing as you're selling. Yeah. So if you've got that consistent messaging and brand down and you have your package and services and your talks and they're all consistent, how do you then create a business that helps you to maximize that offstage time and build something scalable? Well, and this is where that idea of spending more time in your zone of genius really comes to play. And there comes a point at which you can't do it on your own. You can't do everything in your business, especially if you want to be speaking and you want to be traveling to speak, right? That means, you know, you're going to be spending time on airplanes. You're going to be spending time preparing. Um, For me, whenever I do speaking, I know that if I do a speaking gig, I'm probably going to need two solid days of recovery time just because I'm an introvert and I need that kind of wrote, you know, that time to recharge after. Yeah. And that is for me to be able to be at my best for me to be at 100% in my business, I need to be surrounding myself with a team with people with structures with systems that allow me to be spending my time in my zone of genius. And then allow you know, making sure that I am not doing anything outside of my zone of genius, at least as much as possible. So you know, in terms of team that can be, you know, should you really be booking your own travel? It's probably not your zone of genius, (laughs) but it's something that can take a whole lot of time and energy to do. Should you be responding to inquiries in your inbox? Maybe, maybe not. Like what is the things that if you were to spend all of your time doing the work in your zone of genius, what are the other things that would still have to get done to get the business moving forward? And how can you give ownership of those tasks to someone else or get them accomplished in a different way so you can be spending more of your time in your zone of genius? So I think the obvious question that comes up is is the chicken and egg question. What Mm -hmm. if you're still building your speaking business and can't afford an assistant? How do you work that in so that you can spend more time speaking? What's the process like? Absolutely. Such a good question. And it's not just for speaking businesses. It's for all kinds of businesses. In fact, I was just talking with someone earlier today and they asked me this question where it's like, I'm too busy to keep doing all the stuff I want to keep you know, doing, but I can't hire anyone because I haven't got enough money to go off and hire someone. So what do I do? And the first thing that I said to that person that I would say to someone who's listening, who has this question is you need to make sure that you're actually profitable 
with the money generating activities that you were actually doing. So what do I mean by that? Well, every time you go, whether it's doing speaking or it's selling coaching on the back end, whatever it is that you're doing to actually generate cash, look at the amount of time that it takes to prepare for that, to sell it, to deliver it, to prospect for it, to uh, do follow up for it, whatever that is, look at all the time that goes into creating that, that income, that revenue into your business. And ask yourself if it's a hundred hours, say that's just a nice round number and you're getting a thousand, you expect a thousand dollars on the back end. That means you're basically for every hour you're putting in, you're getting $10 an hour. Or maybe it's $1,000 and you're putting in 10 hours of effort, so it's $100 an hour. Now, $100 an hour sounds like a decent hourly rate until you realize that that $100 an hour isn't your personal income. That $100 an hour has to provide for your taxes. It has to provide for any operating expenses that you might have. It has to cover any travel if you're paying for your own travel. It has to pay your salary. And you have to have enough room in that to be able to pay for the person that you eventually want to bring on your team. So what a lot of people get into is they get to that point where they want to hire, but they can't do it without negatively impacting how much money they're personally making in the business. And that's a sign that they actually haven't set their their rates or you know, whether it's a speaking rate or a back end coaching package rate. They haven't set the rates at a level to where they can actually take some of that money and invest it in a team. And if you do that, if you build that into your pricing structure, then you can start to hire people much earlier and much more quickly because every every time that you go out and generate revenue, part of that is being allocated to hiring a team. So maybe it's an assistant one hour a week. Maybe that's all you need. But for one hour a week for, you know, maybe you're paying them 20, 30, $50 an hour. If you build that into your pricing structure, then as you get busier, you'll be able to have more ability to pay for that team. But you have to be looking at that way ahead of time and setting yourself up for that when you're starting so that you don't get to that point and feel like, well, hiring is going to require me to decrease my personal income because that's a no-win situation. Yeah. And I think there's a, an interesting debate between getting unpaid help like interns and hiring yeah. people to work for you. And also there's a difference between a virtual assistant and having someone like a stay-at-home mom who has a couple extra hours a week to work for you. What do you recommend and and how would you get started with that person? Never hire an intern or never <laughs> acquire an intern. Maybe you're not hiring them. Um, that's a really strong way of saying it. But the truth is that it takes around three months, let's just say that you magically were able to bring someone full time into your business. It's going to take about three months for an expert who has tons of experience to really be able to kind of operate on their own without, you know, with at their full capacity, at their full, you know, fully in their zone of genius, contributing fully to the business. That's for someone who's an expert. The less expert they are, the longer it takes. So if you're hiring an intern, the general principle is it's going to take six to 12 months before they're actually going to be contributing to the business at a level that is going to make you feel like you can trust them, like you can just give them ownership over stuff, that sort of thing. And so a lot of people think, oh, an intern's going to be cheaper, an intern's going to be more effective. But the truth is that usually when you're a small business and you don't have a, you know, you're, you're in this situation, it's more expensive to hire or to acquire an intern because it's 
you have to help that person do the work, meaning you're spending less of your time in your zone of genius. It goes all goes back to that zone of genius concept. So, you know, whether it's that you're paying $20 an hour for, um, you know, a stay at home mom, who's going to give you a couple hours a week, or you're going to be paying someone a hundred dollars a month and it's going to be someone out of a virtual assistant firm, or honestly, the way that we hired our first um, assistant, we call it the concierge role in our business. Our, our first concierge was someone that I had worked with in my day job. She wanted a little extra money on the time for my business. It wasn't super important that, you know, she'd be available during the work day. So she just did an hour or two in the evenings for us. And, you know, it, it was getting someone for whom that's her zone of genius. Her zone of genius is, I, I joke and say her zone of genius is saying no nicely to people because <laughs> I can't do that. And so she's the perfect person to to have in my inbox to be responding to people to provide that amazing customer experience to them because I can't do that so I was far better off to pay that you know whatever it ended up being I don't remember exactly what the dollar amount was at the time but to pay her that and know that she was just going to be able to jump in she was going to come up with better solutions to the problems than I ever could on my own I didn't need to direct her she could just do her thing and that freed me up to do my thing as well I love it. And once you have your administrative tasks taken care of or those needs, how do you then go about building that million dollar business or building a movement as a speaker? Yeah, it's so interesting because when we talk about building a movement, we think, you know, even in the term that, you know, the terms that we're using, building a movement, it sounds like it's us doing the work, us doing the laboring. But the truth is, it's more like growing a movement, growing a business, where what our job is, is to plant the seeds and then show up every day to water the seeds, to provide fertilizer, to you know shoo away the pests. Our job is to nurture this movement, to nurture our business into becoming more of what, I mean, think about a seed. A seed holds all the potential it needs to become an oak tree or a carrot or whatever it is that it's going to be. And our job is not to go to that carrot every day and say, hey, carrot, you better make sure that you're becoming a carrot. I got to remind you that you're going to become a carrot. No, our job is to nurture it to bring the water, to bring the fertilizer. And it's the same thing when we're building a business and when we're being that visionary, when we're in our zone of genius, our job is not to go and try and force things to happen. Our job is to say what already works, what has already worked in terms of people paying attention to my message? What has already worked in terms of me getting speaking gigs? What has already worked in terms of me acquiring clients? And how can I do more of the things that are already working instead of going and trying to build something out of nothing? Nurture and allow things to grow where you've already got seeds planted instead of saying, oh, I planted a seed over here. Instead of watering that, now I'm going to go plant 10 seeds over in the next. <laughs> Yeah. Focus on what's already working and do more of that. I love it. So let's say you've got your brand, you've got your consistent offerings, everything is making a lot of sense. You've got that one focus area. You have your assistant in place. You're paying attention to what's working. How do you prepare yourself mentally for that next step in business going from maybe just scraping by and making it to, oh, we're going for it here. We're going for the million dollars because I, I would think there has to be some sort of mindset shift in there. 
Oh, it's totally mindset. It's, I mean, everything is mindset. And we could probably do a whole nother interview just talking about the things that I personally have learned when it comes to mindset. But part of what I want to call out in the is in the question that you asked was a hint at the solution. And it's that it's a decision. The decision to go and create a million dollar business or a million dollar impact. Maybe you're not in it for the money. Maybe you just feel like you have a message, you have a movement and you want to reach more people with it. The thing that you have to do first is realize like, this is a decision to make. And I remember so clearly it was uh, it was a kind of a wintry day and I was looking at my calendar and I was like, there is no way I can add anything more to my calendar. Like I can't take on more clients. I can't do more interviews. I can't do more anything. I am maxed out. And I realized in that moment that I had a decision to make. And the decision was, do I want to stay with how things are? And, you know, was making pretty good money, um, had clients that loved what we did, was able to spend, you know, I wasn't working all the time. I had a pretty good life, a pretty good balance. I had to decide, do I want to stay with that or do I want to take this leap and start actually structuring my business in such a way that I can have more of all of those things so that I can create more impact so that I can have more time to do what I love so that I can create more revenue, whether that's for me personally, or so that I can go and create jobs for people or that I can go and give back to my community. How that's the first thing, the mindset thing you have to do is make the decision. And then once you've made the decision, then the question, and this is one of my favorite all time questions to ask is what's the least complicated way to achieve that. Hmm. So if I've made the decision that I'm going for it and I'm going to be a million dollar speaking business or I'm going to have a million dollar business of whatever form, the question to ask is what's the least complicated way to reach that goal? Because we love to complicate things. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. We love to say, okay, this is, this is one of my favorites. Okay, I'm going to create a million-dollar business, and right now I have a coaching offer that makes about, for round numbers' sake, $100,000 a year. So I just need to do that 10 times, and that's a million dollars. So I just need 10 different coaching offers, and then that'll be a million dollars, right? Well, that's not the least complicated way to do this because <laughs> when you create a new product or a new offer, you have to go create new marketing. You have to go create new messaging, new customer service, new delivery. Like That's a really complicated process. So what's the least complicated way to get from $100,000 to a million dollars? It's to do more of the things that got you to $100,000. Find a way to serve more clients. Find a way to get in front of more people. Find a way to do more of what's been working. Instead of complicating things, ask yourself what's the least complicated way to get to that result. Mm -hmm. Love it. Now, you also talk about the four pillars. What are they and, and why are they important? Yeah, I love these. I've I've hinted at them a few times in the discussion we've had. And these are the four things that every business has. Whether or not you think you have them, you do have them. The question is, are they working as well as they could in support of you getting to your goals? So when you look at your business and you look at the inside of your business, the things you want to be looking at are the team. 
what do I have in place in terms of the team that's going to support me or not support me in terms of getting to that goal? So we talked about that earlier. Do I have someone that I can give ownership over certain areas of my business to so I can focus on my zone of genius? Now, in order to have that kind of team, you need our second structure, our second uh, pillar, which is profit. I can't pay for a team if my business isn't profitable. If when I go out and sell something, there's no money left over to pay for the team or to pay my salary or to pay for my travel or to pay for my taxes, I'm not going to get very far. So that's the first two structures. That's your team and your profit. The third one is, well, how are you going to get profitability? Well, you need to have a revenue structure that's going to allow you to receive revenue, to receive income. So that's what does your products look like? Who are you speaking to? Do you have an offer, something that you can sell, that you could sell at scale, that you can sell profitably, and that you know how to generate leads for? So you need to have a revenue structure that's going to enable you to generate profit, which is going to allow you to hire the team, which ultimately allows you to do our fourth pillar, our fourth structure, which is to create and craft a remarkable customer experience. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters in our business is whether or not we can give people the experience of going from their before to their after state. If we can take them through that transformation, every successful business, every business period is built on the premise that you are at a certain point and you want to be at a different point. And we're going to help you make that transition. Whether it's that I'm going to, you know, right now you have a room that feels like it's a college dorm room and you want your after state to be that this feels like, you know, a grown up living room. Maybe the journey that I take you on is the journey of actually going and buying a painting, right? Like this can be really <laughs> tangible or really intangible. But the customer experience, that transformation from before to after and how you deliver that remarkable experience as some goes through that transformation is the fourth pillar and that you know ties back like i said to your team do you have the team that can deliver that experience can you deliver that experience profitably can you you know generate the revenue that you need with that experience so all of these four four pillars these four structures they all align together and when they're all working together and they're all clicked in like lego blocks that are clicked into place you create something that is strong that's sustainable that will stand up even if you go and you want to move you know I, i'm literally looking beside me on my shelf and I've got a little Lego car and I can move that car to the other side of my desk and it's not going to fall apart because it's well structured. Mm -hmm. The same is true in your business and it comes down to team, to profitability, to revenue and customer experience. And you have a free offering on your website that outlines those four pillars, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the simplest way to go and grab that is just go to MNIBconsulting.com. Right on the homepage there, we've got the guide. It'll walk you through what those four structures are, what they look like. More importantly, it'll show you what it means and what it looks like to actually go through and put those into place in your business. Awesome. That's such a great offering. Thank you for that. We're going to jump into our lightning round. Question number one, what's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to be well-known speakers? My number one piece of advice is it's about them, not about you. Know what they want and what their dream come true is so that you can show them how you can help them get there faster, easier, more effectively, etc. Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? My personal operating philosophy is that there is always a better way. 
<laughs> Number three, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Don't worry that you haven't got it all figured out yet. <laughs> yeah. Number four, what advice do you have for your 75-year-old self? Don't worry that you still haven't got it all figured out yet. <laughs> and number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? Hey, I got to go back to my first love with those Lego bricks. Except I'm going to go specifically with a Lego minifig because they're just so awesome. You you can take them anywhere. They can do anything. You can have a minifig that can be a construction worker. It can be a teacher. It can be anything. That's what I think for myself. I can be whoever I want to be and show up however I want to show up in the world. And that is so awesome and so powerful. Yes. And number six, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? No who you are, why you're doing it, and how you're serving people. Love it. Is there anything you'd like to share with my audience in addition to your, your four-pillar offering? Or where can we get more information about you? Yeah. Uh, as I said, would love to have everyone you know check out our website, mnibconsulting.com. We've got lots of resources, information, blog posts, that kind of stuff. Also, I do... Uh, regular irregular facebook live streams on our facebook live if you're more of a listener than a um than a reader and that's at facebook.com slash mnib consulting awesome well brand thanks so much for coming on the show today you offered such great advice and tips to not only be thinking differently but to do things differently and also to remember that this doesn't have to be complicated we can yeah. actually <laughs> simplify things and grow so thanks awesome. for being here today thank you so much for having me there you have it. Today's episode, episode 60 with Brienne Dick. I love talking with her. And if you want to check out her website, I do have a link to it in the show notes. And we've got more fun stuff coming up this month and every month. I mean, really, the podcast is just so fun. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. The more people who rate and review the show, the easier it is for others to find it. So that's it for me today. As always, you guys, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.